0: Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge.
1: Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio.
0: This is it. This is it. December 31st. Okay, I'm supposed to say things like um, year-end giving. Yep. Today's literally the day. Like you were thinking about doing some year-end giving. Literally today's that day because this is it. This is the end of the year. So we invite you. If you haven't already done so, um, make your year-end gift at MyFaithRadio.com. We sure do appreciate it. This is listener-supported radio, and uh, and so thank you. Thank you in advance. Um, This is New Year's Eve, which means that starting tomorrow, we have a new year. So I'm going to share with you today some of my New Year's Eve practices, although I confess to you that um, I actually do this over like the course of the last week of the year. But anyway you know, you can only say so much at a, at a point in time. So get out your pen and paper if you don't have it out already, because this is going to be one of those like note-taking ones. I know, I know. Really? Well, okay. So maybe you have a good memory and you can remember all these things. We're going to do a year-end spiritual inventory. That's right. So it's like year-end inventory, but it's year-end spiritual inventory. So you have to collect some things together to do this. Now, truth be told, these things are actually collected for most of us now on our phones or on our computers. So, you know, historically, I would like actually physically get out my paper calendar, my paper check register, and my paper journal, as well as my Bible, um, and my the box where I put all my sermon notes for the year. But in reality, a lot of that is now on our phones. So it could be that you could just do all of this with your phone. But anyway, here we go. Um, we're going to need Whatever calendar you used for 2021, whatever you consider like a check register, I know that's like like an old-fashioned thought, but an accounting of where you spent your money this past year, and whatever you use as a journal, like where you write your spiritual notes to self, prayers to God, however it is that you journal. All right, so that's what we're going to have before us, and we're going to do what I call a year-end spiritual inventory. So here's where we start. We're going to start with the Bible because I actually covered this a couple of days ago. So, um, or maybe yesterday. All right. So the books of the Bible, which ones have you read? Which ones did you study? What was your plan at the beginning of 2021? Like, did you have a Bible reading plan? If you didn't have a Bible reading plan, then my guess is that that you didn't fail to meet your plan, but you also probably didn't read as much of the Bible or study as much of it as you would have if you'd had a plan. So we're going to talk in a minute about a plan. Um, But Where in the word were you this year? So where in the word have you been this past year? All right. Also, good time to review your sermon notes. Whose teaching did you sit under this year? All those kinds of good things. All right. Now, flip to the calendar. We can cover this one pretty quickly as well. So you're going to simply start by surveying the year. Like, how did you do? Or what did you do? Where did you go? How did you invest uh, one of the most precious gifts that God gives us? And that's the gift of time. How did you literally spend your time? Like, actually account for it. Count up the actual Sabbath days you took. Like, honestly, God's honest truth here. Sundays that you were or were not in worship with God's people at an identifiable church. Holidays you actually set apart as holy unto the Lord. Ways and days that you spent serving As a conduit of God's grace, like intentionally serving, pressing the full force of your life into the lives of others through mission or service. As you look back over your calendar, can you like see evidence of like divine appointments that you experienced along the way? Unexpected opportunities to share the goodness of God's grace and mercy with others. How did God use you? Or who did God use to draw you closer to himself. Like, who are those people? What are those points along the journey um, that we now call 2021? All right, let's take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to do another kind of accounting, and we're going to actually look at our spending, the record of our spending. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right we are in the middle of our 2021 spiritual inventory and part of our spiritual inventory is to examine where we spend our money so i mean this might be as simple as printing out your um your amazon uh you know account record i mean i, I don't know how you do this where you spend most of your money um but that's what you want to have in front of you right so you want to you want to see okay where did I spend money on Venmo? Where did I spend money using my credit cards? Where did I spend money um where's my giving? What's my giving record i right, so there's a lot of this that actually happens automatically now. It's on set on auto pay, and so you gotta pull all of that up This is a really this is actually one of the most difficult parts of the annual spiritual inventory for me um because I find this part like almost mysterious these days. Where does my money go? All right, so what are those ministries um, to whom I give ongoing support? Why am I doing that? Are they actually kingdom advancing, um, or are they just on, you know, they just on auto pay as well or autopilot? I don't want them to be on autopilot. I want them to be ministries that I'm actually, you know, still have a sense that I'm called to be financially supporting, that I I know what they're doing. They keep me informed. I know they're advancing the gospel, and I want to continue to be engaged in that. So what are the ministries to whom I'm giving ongoing support? Um, how about one-time gifts? When I look over the course of the last year, there are times that I recognize, you know what, I was specifically inspired in a moment to write a check or to give a gift or to support someone in a moment. I'm thinking of my friends in Waverly, uh, Tennessee, who you know their, their, their life um, was disrupted dramatically by a flood. And they literally lost everything in their home. Uh, And so that was not part of my planned giving at the beginning of the year. uh, But giving to them in that moment was something that God moved me to do. So I would put that on my spiritual inventory this year. And I would check in on them, see how they're doing. It's an honest accounting um, also of your tithe. So it's an opportunity to look at, all right, what did God bring into my life in terms of resources? And how did those resources flow through my hands into the hands of other ministries or to people who are in need? Um, the next thing that I do in my spiritual annual spiritual inventory, and this one has actually actually become a fun like family practice, um, but it's a, it's what we call the fruit inspection. So we read Galatians 5:22 to 25, which you know is the passage that talks about the fruit of the spirit, and. We talk about, you know, where in our lives we've seen evidence of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then we try to do a comparison. This, this is the part that gets a little more maybe reflective, contemplative, and personal. But I, like, look at the harvest of righteousness in my own life from 2021, and then I try to compare it to prior years is there evidence that i have been growing in grace that god has been producing more love more joy more peace more patience greater patience um more evidence that i that i am have greater self-control faithfulness i mean you do you, you see how you do this right okay so because these are supposed to be grow, growing in ever greater abundance in my life like that's that's the harvest of righteousness that I want. And so um, that's the fruit inspection part of this. That one's pretty, pretty fun. I kind of like that one. All right, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen, and it is the last day of 2021. So happy new year. We'll be right back. So on this final day of 2021, we are not only looking back and taking a spiritual inventory of the year now past, we are going to look ahead and chart a course for spiritual growth in 2022. If, um you know, if you want your garden to grow, if you want there to be a harvest of righteousness at the end of next year, then, you know, you got to plan for spiritual growth. You got to think about How you are going to use your time, gifts, talents, abilities, resources to, um, you know, to actually cultivate a life of discipleship. So, I encourage you to get a twenty twenty two calendar. I actually like an old fashioned paper one. Um, Start a blank journal. uh, You know, a a fresh check register. I know, again, kind of an old fashioned thing. Definitely your Bible, Uh, and then I'm going to encourage you to prayerfully identify either a life word a life song, a life verse. So you're going to write that on the front page of your journal, and then you're going to write it 12 more times on the blank space at the top of like every month of the calendar. I also like to put it on a sticky note, put it on my bathroom mirror. I keep another one under the sun visor of my car. Why? Because I'm leaky and I completely forget. I get distracted, right? I just start moving on with whatever's happening in the world and Then I'll flip my sun visor down, and I'll be like, oh, oh, my word this year is joy, or my word this year is resilience, or my verse this year is Philippians 4.13, or my song, my life song this year is whatever. So you can tell I'm probably not going to pick a song. I'm going to pick a word this year. And um, so when I say a life word, what you're doing is you're going to pick one good word. There's lots of good words out there you might pick. Uh, You might pick the word joy. What would it look like to live into the word joy in 2022? Maybe the word God's calling you, and this is a prayerful process, by the way. It's not like you just flip the dictionary open and pick a word. No, we're going to talk about good words, and we're going to talk about uh, a word that God is calling you to grow into. So your word is very likely going to be different than my word, because I might really need to live into the word humble, this next year. I might need to live into the word peace or patience. I might need to live into the word resilience or gratitude or welcome. I might need to live into the word cultivate or forgive. I might need to live into the word eternal or heaven or the word yet, or the word and. Like, it it's extraordinary when you start down this path. The word that God might place on your heart to live into. Um, it might seem like a rather ordinary word, but as you live into it day by day over the course of a year, you're just going to be amazed how God opens the word, uh, opens his word to reveal how that word your one word your one good word is just so much more than you um ever imagined when you um when you prayerfully identified it so pick a life word a, a good word and write it on you know the uh, every day of the calendar so you know that's why I use a monthly calendar so I'll have to write it 12 times write it uh on the front of your journal um you know, put it on a sticky note, all those kinds of things. So pick a good word, one good word that you're going to live into this year. If you want to, you could pick a, a verse to live into. Um, this is a, a very common practice of living into a particular verse. Um, I'm I'm thinking that there was a year that I lived into Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I recall another year when I sought to live into Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Um, I, another year, I lived into Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4.8 was a, um, a really, I mean, that was a really rich year seeking to live into that particular verse. There are lots of verses you could live into. My, uh, my overall life verse is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, if you ever wondered, like, what drives Carmen forward? Does she have, like, a life verse? Yep, mm-hmm, I do. It's Galatians 2.20, absolutely. But years, uh, there are also years that I have chosen a particular verse to focus on throughout the year. So, right now, I'm sort of in the life word stage of my uh, uh, of my practice in terms of making a spiritual plan for spiritual growth in a particular year, um, but a life verse is a great way um, to to go about it as well. As we make our plans and we look at the year ahead, I want us to consider, in terms of our spiritual growth plan, I want us to consider the year, the month, the week, and the day, because I have to break it down. I mean, like, right? I I gotta I gotta break this thing down, um, so I can I can look at the whole year and say, I just really, gosh, I. I know that I need um to be allowing God to cultivate in me more patience or more self-control. Those might be the two on the fruits list that I often do not produce as much of as I would like. Other, you know, I'm pretty abundant in some other ones, but I'm I'm grossly underproducing in those two areas. And so, um you know, how am I going to seek to God, give God a higher return on the spiritual investment he makes in me in those two areas of production? Well, I'm going to have to confess them publicly, which, you know, saying it to you is pretty public. And then I'm going to have to ask for some accountability and I'm going to have to make a plan. And that plan can't just be, hey, by this time next year, you know, hey, more growth in this area. No, I got to actually till the soil and move the rocks and enrich the ground and plant the seed and do the work. You got to do the work. So that's going to require a monthly, weekly, and daily practice, an exercise in discipleship. So that includes a Bible reading plan. It includes a plan, an actual plan for real Sabbath rest weekly, but also um, Sabbath rest that comes with some, you know, long periods of renewal. Plans for authentic worship you know, not just haphazardly, you know, I'll drop in on God from time to time when I feel like it. But, like, you know, I'm going to intentionally gather with God's people. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be intentional about being present in worship, in an identifiable congregation. Um, you know, there's no perfect church, so stop looking for one. And it'd be, it, Because if once you get there, it's going to be all messed up anyway, right? That's the nature of us. So if you have been um, resisting being a part of the body of Christ because, you know, rolling your eyes right now, you've been so disappointed by your experience of churches over time, um, that's actually just no excuse. You cannot love the groom and hate the bride. So I want us to be people who are authentically worshiping this year, and I'm going to really encourage you on that front. Certainly plan for genuine times of, um, of real holy days, like holidays that you set apart as holy unto the Lord. All right. And then are there some um are there some ways that as you think about your calling, because in Colossians there's this whatever else you do, like right? <laughs> whatever else you do. <laughs> um, well whatever else you do, are you always at all times in all places, like setting your mind on things that are above? manifesting the spirit of Christ in all situations demonstrating the manner of Christ in every moment seeking to advance the kingdom of God in all that you say and do like it, it, the gospel going forward always and in all ways is that happening cuz if so that's a um that's a good return to God on the investment the spiritual investment that he's making in each one of us all right let's be cultivating the spirit of Christ this year Um, And then Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. All right, it has been a great year. We're looking forward to another great year. It is the last day of the year. So um, if you would like to participate in the ministry, we would love to be in receipt of your year-end gift here at Faith Radio. You can give that securely at MyFaithRadio.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Have you been back to church recently? Uh, It is that season of the year when a lot of people actually go back to church. Maybe you were in worship um, for Christmas Eve. Maybe you were there Christmas Day. Um, Are you going this coming Sunday? Like, is it going to be the regular rhythm of the new year for you to actually be in worship with fellow believers? Are you saying to yourself, well, I, I can't for some specific reason, um, or maybe I won't for some specific reason? Um, the, the people who we're going to talk about um, in, in this conversation that's coming up with Joe Jensen are pastors. And I want you to consider like how pastors are feeling right now this week, This tends to be a little bit like the week after Easter for pastors. There's like this absolutely um, low ebb for them. Um, They have been through a very heightened season of, I will use the word here, performance. Um, And this is a week of rest for many, many pastors and their families across the country and around the world. So um, I thought it was a good time for us to revisit our conversation with Joe Jensen about pastors Um, and how we can support our pastors, not only in this season, but all throughout the year. You're listening to a special episode of Mornings with Carmen, and my conversation with Joe Jensen, the vice president of Barna Research for Church Engagement, is up next. Welcome back. Uh, fun to have joining us today, Joe Jensen. He is the vice president of church engagement for Barna Research. You can find what we're talking about today at barna.com. Joe, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Hey, thanks, Carmen. It's a privilege to be with you.
0: Well, oh, we just, um, we love David Kenneman. We love the opportunities that we've had over the past to, to talk with him. We love what you guys are doing at Barna. We think asking Questions of the church and on behalf of the church is really important. So, we want you to feel comfortable chatting with us today about the research that you have been doing. Tell us what you have been finding as you have been talking with pastors across the country.
1: Well, you know, Barna for over 35 years has been tracking kind of the health and well being of churches. And along with that, if you're going to track the health and growth of a church, you have to pay attention to the leaders of the church, right? So, That's what we've been doing for over three decades. Now, when the pandemic hits, you know, obviously everything shut down, um, as you all know. And and as we considered the impact of the church, we really wanted to pay attention to how these huge seismic shifts in the church ministry landscape uh, due to the pandemic, how that was affecting pastors. So 18 months ago, we started to really track the health of pastors, the well-being of pastors, and last year, uh, the beginning of the, I'm sorry, the beginning of this year in January, we asked the question, have you given real serious consideration to quitting being in full-time ministry within the last year? And at that time, 29% answered yes to that question. And so that kind of alarmed us, right? That got our attention. Mm-hmm. So we continued to track, okay, how are pastors doing throughout the year? Um, and a lot of the different dimensions of of overall well-being. And so we were tracking their mental health and emotional health. And and then as we got to this fall, uh, we wanted to ask that question again. Have you given real serious consideration to quitting being a full-time ministry within the last year? And with the great resignation, with all these other trends going on in culture, we were interested to see what pastors would say. And uh, to our surprise and astonishment and to a little bit of our dismay, like we were a little disheartened to see that um, that number went up 9% to 38%. Uh, that almost 2 out of about 2 out of 5 pastors in the US have given real serious consideration to quitting being in full-time ministry.
0: So I'm wondering, Joe, I think about not just my senior pastor at the church where I worship, but you know, there are other pastors on staff as well. Can you just imagine just like walking up to your pastor and saying, "Hey, I I saw this research. I'm kind of wondering, you know, let me can I just check in with you like how are you doing?" Like that seems like a reasonable thing for a member to do out of real care and concern for their pastor. I mean, can you imagine that being well received?
1: You know, actually, yes, I do think it would be. I I think for congregants, you know, to approach your pastor with anything can be seem maybe a little bit intimidating because I think we we, you know, in the past, and this has maybe contributed to some of like where we're at with pastors today, is we've put pastors on pedestals, right? And we we look at them as like super spiritual beings. And we we've forgotten the fact that they're real human beings with some of the same emotional and mental struggles that, that we all share, right? I was in ministry full-time for 20 years. And I will tell you, Carmen, if somebody did what, what you just proposed, it would just speak volumes to me that, okay, somebody in my congregation cares for my well-being. And I think that's a great first step. Um, when, when we get asked, look, what can congregants do? What can like, everyday people in church, you know, everyday people within our churches do to encourage pastors. And I think the first first thing is to do what you just proposed. Just ask them, how are you doing and how can I help?
0: Hmm. How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? Um, what's one thing mm-hmm. you're concerned about that I might be able to assist you with or address? I remember this was something that Lee Strobel shared about when he was in full-time ministry So I'm thinking this dates—this goes back a number of years. But, you know, he also had a travel schedule. He had things that he was really committed to. But he had all these, you know, non-Christians coming to church as seekers and inquirers, very inquisitive. Um, And he would recognize there's no way I can say yes to all the people who want to meet with me. So he would just start having the guys who had said along the way— hey, you know, I'd like to meet with people. Like, I'd, I'm i happy to hear people's questions and talk about Jesus. He'd just have them hanging around right there near where he was. So when somebody came up after worship and said, oh, I have all these questions and da, da da he could say, you know what, I'm actually traveling this week or whatever, but Bob over here would love to talk with you about that and just be able to pass that person off to Bob. I I just feel like Offering ourselves in that way to our pastors, that there are some things they could pass off to us, might also be one way to actually tangibly encourage them and, you know, and support their well-being.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point and, and a great story about, you know, Lee Strobel. And and I would say, Carmen, um, when we proactively go to our pastors um, and we say, hey, how can I help? How can I serve? Not just you personally, but how can I serve here at the church? I mean, what that does, um, that validates a pastor's calling in some really special ways. Because first of all, you know, I've preached, you know, and and I know maybe there's a few people in our audience who have preached. I know many in your audience um, ha- have been in the on well, the receiving like end of the sermon.
0: Kids, we feel like if we're raising kids, we're preaching all the time. So go <laughs> exactly,
1: ahead. Exactly. Yeah. And isn't it, <laughs> every it isn't mama, validating? Every
0: mama listening. Yeah. Every mama listening yeah. is like, oh yeah, dude, I preach. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, isn't it validating when... You know, when some, you don't have to prompt it when, some, you know, you like you said, your kids mm. or somebody in your congregation goes up to you and through a statement that they make really validates what you've been preaching on, which is to get in the game, to get involved, to make a difference. And so I love that example that you gave. It's 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 such a tangible way to say, hey, um, what you're doing is actually making an impact on me because I'm willing to step in and to step up and to serve the church and in a way serve you as my pastor.
0: All right, we are talking with Joe Jensen. He is the vice president of church engagement for Barna Research. We're talking about some recent research, which you can engage with online at barna.com. It's about pastors and their well being. The numbers um, say, you know, there's a significant number and actually a rising percentage of pastors seriously considering leaving full time vocational ministry. What would that mean for your church? Maybe you're in a congregation where the pastor has. Left vocational ministry to serve God in some other um, in some other way. What does that leave the church looking like, and who's uh, stepping into those voids? We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment.
1: Oh all faithful,
0: and Continuing our conversation now with Joe Jensen. He's the vice president of church engagement for Barna Research. We're talking about. Recent research that Barna has been doing, uh, talking with pastors across the country, um, and there are really a significant percentage of them seriously considering thinking about leaving ministry. I think it raises the vital need um, of a question of support and care for the well-being of our pastors. There's obviously a, a time of high emotional turmoil and deep division in our country, and that is in evidence in our churches as well. Joe, tell us, you know, when you're talking with pastors, is it things that are, like, actually theological, people are, you know, divided in the church over theological things, or does it feel like the spirit of the world is what has intruded into the church and is really causing division among us, and therefore this angst for our pastors?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think— it could be it, it's a number of different things right i definitely think you know theology and doctrine i mean we you know we research a lot of churches that are working through a lot of those types of issues within their congregations um but i do think there's a lot of cultural forces at play that are pressing in on churches and on pastors specifically and we i mean the the amount of change that has happened in the last 2 years the last 2 months is staggering, and if you think about just the the impact of social media and digital technology, um, the divisions we see in in our culture when it comes to race and politics, and and uh, and how that's so present because it's so because it's on our screens. So we see it. We scroll through it. Pastors are not immune to all those forces at play. Um, you have you know pressures at home. You have the fact that you know just like you know the pandemic pressures that impacted you know everyone else around the planet also impacted pastors right there was you know uh education uh, requirements that had to happen there's the the change in hybrid and remote work environments and and so you know it's there's so many of these forces at play and i really think it's it's just really left pastors i would say a little bit like emotionally and spiritually dizzy where they're trying to get their bearings and they're trying to get their footing And really at a core, what it's done is we've talked to a lot of pastors who, in the midst of all of that change and and the impact it's had on their church and ministry, they've asked this question like, is this really what I'm called to? Was this really what I signed up for when I first answered that call into full-time ministry? And a lot of them are really grappling with that question, and it comes out in in this statistic.
0: So Joe, you served um, for a number of years in the context of pastoral ministry. I'm guessing that over the course of ministry, the ministry environment changed, your sense of call grew, developed, deepened, broadened, maybe narrowed in focus. I think that maybe part of this, I mean, I'm just gonna make an observation here, are people expecting when they go into ministry that there's this blueprint and this pattern? And it's all going to go that way because that doesn't seem realistic. And so I'm wondering maybe if there's a resilience conversation to be had here as well.
1: Oh, there definitely is. Uh, resilience, I think, in that principles at the core of this. And really, you're asking a great question because, you know, what, what have we been called into and what was our understanding of what ministry was supposed to be? right? Mm -hmm. And we have a lot Mm -hmm. of different models, a lot of different sources of that, right? I remember, you know, as a 21-year-old going to, you know, Bible college and going to seminary and studying to be a pastor, you're right. Like, I had an idea, and there was this ideal that was set before me of what ministry was supposed to be, and I, within the first month of full-time ministry, that was shattered, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, and honestly, uh, it's something in in Christian higher ed we have to have to take a look at, you know, in seminaries. Are we really preparing, Uh, young pastors for the realities of everyday ministry. And I would say, you know, uh, there's some great things happening in today's seminaries, but I really feel like um, in some ways we're not hitting the mark in in seminary education to really prepare, uh, you know, young pastors for the full reality of what ministry is. And so you get in and you realize, wow, I wasn't trained for a lot of this stuff. I wasn't prepared for it. And uh, you you meet a lot of pastors who become disillusioned. And, and really, so your question is great because it gets to the heart of what are we called to? Um, mm-hmm. What are we really called to do as pastors? Um, and so the, right now, all of these cultural forces, all these changes are really causing us to get back to the core of our calling. But to your point, what if the core of our calling uh, from the very beginning was a bit misguided and, and disillusioned?
0: Yeah, and I think that if the core of a pastor's calling, and I mean, we could debate what that is, but if if at least a huge part of it is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, then it may or may not look like what a person thinks that looks like. Um, because to equip the saints for the work of ministry today, um, to proclaim the gospel in the context of the cultural realities of the days in which we live, you know, it's not going to be with intact nuclear families for the most part, it's going to be with a lot of single people at various ages and stages of life. It's going to be with a lot of kids or young adults or adults now who grew up in what we would consider a broken home, which is now just the standard home in America. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that part of it is we have convinced ourselves of what the ideal is in the kingdom, which is really good, right? But we don't live mm-hmm. yet in the, in the fullness of the kingdom reality. We live in the brokenness, yeah. and we're the grace extenders in the midst of that.
1: Yeah. We're, we live in a broken world and we are broken people. Right. Amen. And so Amen. what, what happens is, is there's this ideal that's set up. like we, we set it up in our hearts and our, and ourselves as pastors, but it's also set up for us. Right. And so mm-hmm. we step mm-hmm. into that idea of what it means to be a great pastor. And, um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, a lot of the churches I have served in are great churches, a lot, you know, you know, there's so many great churches around the country. Um, but just there's a little bit of this Christian subculture that our pastors have to look a certain way, act a certain way. They have to have their lives put well, together. And, and so is if really we t- get the
0: right pastor, they're going to fix our church. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. just not going to happen.
1: <laughs> it's not going to happen. And then what happens is is that ideal is really hard, and I would even say impossible to live up to. And so what happens hmm. is a lot of leaders retreat within themselves. They can't... they you know we have statistics to say you know over half of protestant pastors um in the US never meet with a counselor okay mm. and when you think about that what are the what, what are the reasons why and, and I'm not going to kind of uh make any leaps to to make any conclusions there but I will say for myself i didn't always feel like i was able to to say i'm not okay i need yeah. help i need a counselor right and then all the implications of that you know are pretty profound. And so uh, what I really think, you know, this statistic, you, you brought up the word resilience, right? This statistic, I really think doesn't reflect every, like, um, we, we kind of, we would think that it's all negative, right? I think actually there's some positive um, ways to look at this statistic. And one of them is this, I really think this is a time where pastors can really look deeply within themselves and ask themselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I think on the other side of that journey, if we lean into that journey and as congregants, as lay people, if you can come around your pastor and, and communicate that, hey, it's okay to, to, to not be okay, right? That mm-hmm. I'm not expecting perfection out of you as my pastor. Like you said, I'm not expecting you to come in and fix me and fix my church. Like, I, I want you to just be real and vulnerable, and I want you to lead us and shepherd us towards being real and vulnerable with Jesus and with others. And and if we can communicate that to our pastors and and elders, lay leaders, congregants, if we can can actually support our pastors beyond just a nod and really say, you know what, we're going to free up some budget for you to go to counseling. And we want you to actually really strongly consider going to counseling, right? Um, Things like that, I think if we could openly encourage our pastors that it's okay not to be okay, and that we want you to seek holistic health in your life and for your family, I think we'll start to see pastors emerge from this more resilient, stronger in their faith, and more committed to their calling as a pastor.
0: Yeah, so just some quick ideas for you if you're listening. Um, instead of asking your pastor to lead a retreat, why don't you offer to pay for your pastor to go on a retreat? Um, hmm. Or how about instead of asking your pastor to um, to do something in addition to what's already on the church calendar, why don't you suggest eliminating something from the church calendar and really encouraging them to take that evening or that day or that week or even that month um, as Sabbath rest? What, uh, how might you be better served by a pastor who was rested and energized and healthy, whose marriage was healthy, who had a, a functioning, uh, vital relationship with their own children and their own family? Like, there's just all kinds of reasons to encourage the well-being of our pastors, not least, not least of which, the health of, of the congregations of which we are a part. We're all in the body together, and so um, our pastors have a functional part of the body, and we want them to be healthy and um, and ready to serve and and fully equipped for the good work that God has for them to do as well. So let's we're all in this together. Joe, um, thank you so much for joining us today. You guys can find Joe Jensen at the Barna Group, Barna Research. They are online at Barna. Dot com. Joe, what a pleasure to have you today. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me, Carmen. It was a pleasure.
0: Likewise. We'll be right back. So this is the uh, last day of the year, and it's a good day. Um, as we have talked at the front of the hour, it's a good day for us to Review the year which lies a pa- lies past, and and then preview the year which lies ahead. And so that means you got to bring some things into your viewfinder. Um, when we think about a viewfinder, I'm wondering how like wide the aperture is on your viewfinder today. Um, and that's really a conversation about perspective. We can get pretty myopic, pretty um, focused in, and dialed down on ourselves and the particular pain or challenge that we're in our particular losses or grievances, um, the frustrations we face, the the people whom we find, I don't know, irritating. Um, and yet, if we're gonna be God's people, we ought to have an aperture that's really, really wide. What does it look like to review the year past from God's perspective? What does it look like to preview the year ahead from God's perspective? What does it look like to take an eternal view to have the viewfinder, the aperture that you're using for evaluation, have it be really, really wide, really broad, really deep. Let me encourage you to, um, to consider God's view of you and your life and your life circumstances and the future filled with hope he is setting before you even now um, as you review and preview both the year past and the year which now lies immediately ahead Um, It is the end of the year, and so uh, it is the time that we invite you to make a year-end gift. If you have not done so already, like TikTok, today's the day. Go to MyFaithRadio.com and give a gift today. You can also text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. Thanks so much for listening to this special broadcast, a special episode of Mornings with Carmen. We've got another hour up next.